0: All right, let's begin today with prayer. Father, we thank you very much that you are here with us, that you have given us um, your own son and would not withhold any good thing from us. We thank you, Father, for the good things you have given us in your law, and we pray that you would um, give us strength today uh, by the work of your Spirit to understand uh, what you desire, that we may follow after you in godliness, and that we can uh, walk in ways that are pleasing to you and uh, that are good for us, too. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, so first, Stephen asked me, uh, hey, at some point this summer, would you mind teaching? I said, sure. Sure. And then he said, hey, we're going to do this class where people get to answer, get to ask any question that they want. I said, you're giving me the easy one, right? He said, yeah, oh yeah, 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 we're giving you the easy one. (laughs) So today's question, if it will advance, is should I do my dishes on Sunday? (laughs) We have a vote for no up front but we're not going to do it by vote. We're going to do it by God's word. So we're going to take a look at this one. Now this, this question, uh, easy or, or hard question? Hard, hard, hard. Hard, okay, a lot of people say hard question. Now let me think about, let's think about why that is. Why is this question hard? It's, it's a normal thing that you do a lot, right? I mean, it says right in First Hezekiah 3, 5 that do not wash your dishes on… No, actually, what ha- this, is, this is not directly found, right, that we don't have an easy proof text right from the Bible that says something about washing your dishes on Sunday, right? So that's no problem, though, right, because the Bible clearly tells us what we should do, and that is true. That is true. But it doesn't mean it's easy, but it actually takes some work. By the work of the Holy Spirit, we can understand his will for us, and he's given us everything we need to know. And so we can answer questions like this. Um, Very on on the one hand, very mundane, right? And so you might say to yourself, "Well, why is that such an important question?" Then it's pretty not it's a pretty unimportant question, and this also brings up why this question is a little hard. What do you think? What would society? What would the broader society say about a question like this? Yeah, what's the big deal? Let's think about now what what about the church in the broader sense? What would the church say about this? What's the big deal? Right? I mean, really, when it comes down to it, this is the kind of question that um, through the that outside of the church seems like a very kind of picky little question. But on the other hand, and then even within the church, we've had a lot of discussion. There's been a lot of different points of view on this over the years. Partly, this is brought on historically. If you think about what happened through uh, the 1920s and 30s, there was a movement called the Fundamentalist Movement that moved against the liberalizing of the church. And so there are a lot of good things about that, getting back to the Bible and making sure that we understand from the Bible and obeying the Bible and believing what it says. Um, What came out of that, of course, is in some degrees there was uh, an amount of legalism that came out of that And so in response to that, historically, what has happened is maybe swinging to the other side and looking at, well, you know, we don't want to be legalists because that's what you're going to get accused of if you think about questions like this. Not even even deciding how you're going to address it, but even thinking about a question like this can come across as legalism. Right, because we're free in Christ and we don't have to worry about stuff like this anymore. But this is exactly the kind of stuff that matters because this is what do I do day by day? How do how do I day by day live a godly life? It's a lot easier to take either of those two approaches. Right? We can either take the approach that says, here rule A, B, C, D, Um, This is what you do. This is what you don't do. And you live in that realm because that's easier because you do dance. You don't dance. You do go to the movies. You don't go to the movies. You have that. Or on this side, you have a licentiousness that just says, hey, you know what? We're free in Christ. The law doesn't matter anymore. Just do what you feel is right. Be led by the Holy Spirit. That kind of thing is also easier because you just kind of go with what you want to do. The thing that's the same about both of those, they might seem very different, but those are actually very, very similar responses in a lot of ways. What's the same about both of those is that neither of them require any kind of faith, right? Because what you do is you just set up something for yourself, some set of rules, or you dismiss the rules, and you live within some, some way that you can just do it on your own instead of actually living by faith. Also, neither of them require you to seek the will of the Lord. But that's what, that's what we're doing. We're going to seek the will of the Lord in this one. Maybe a broader question. This, this was a very particular question, but the broader question is something like this What should our obedience to the fourth commandment look like? How do we set apart the Sabbath day, especially if we have a house full of little ones and small group responsibilities for food and hosting? So, how do we do this? What does this look like practically? Well, to address questions like this, what we need to do is have a biblical approach. Um, And the biblical approach, uh, again, over the years, has been going one of two directions. Uh, Because we can do this, it's a lot easier to do it in one of these two ways. We either think in terms of the Old Testament and the New Testament, because it turns out the Bible says a lot about the Sabbath, but how we interpret it depends on how we interpret the Bible in a bigger picture. So we're gonna take a look at at this. Uh, Biblical theology, how do we think theologically through the whole Bible? The two extremes of this are either the Old Testament and the New Testament are totally discontinuous, right? What that means is um, basically God in the Old Testament used to be kind of different than he is now, Right? God used to care a lot about Israel and he used to care a lot about a lot of particular things, making sure we did a lot of things. But now he's a different God. right? He used to be kind of uh, a little more picky about stuff, but now Jesus died for us, so now he doesn't really care about so much stuff anymore. Right? That's kind of the discontinuous way of looking at the Bible. And so in that sense... The, the way that somebody who approaches the Bible from that point of view basically says something like, well, there is no Sabbath anymore, right? The Sabbath, that's Old Testament. Uh, the Ten Commandments, Old Testament, that's the way God ruled his people, the Jews. We aren't Jews anymore. Now we have freedom in Christ. We don't have, there's no such thing as a Sabbath. So that's the one extreme. The other extreme is one of, of continuity. So to say there's no difference between the Old and New Testament, and so there are people actually who live that way now, right? The Seventh Day Adventists do that. If you're a Seventh Day Adventist, then what you say is that well, look, nowhere in the Bible did God say that the Sabbath is done. So you need to celebrate the Sabbath. We 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 come together on Saturday because God after all said the seventh day, right? And so this is this whole Christian invention thing, you know, these it was a distortion in history and Everyone just kind of made this up, and this just shows that you don't care about the Bible because the Bible says the seventh day, right? And so that is this, the idea of continuity. Now, how do we approach the Bible? We, we approach the Bible seeing that actually both of these things are true in a sense. We, we have one God who does not change, and so there is a continuity Of God's law to us and of God's work in the world, and there are things that are continuous throughout. There is, however, a real difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so, whenever we look at how we think about the Bible, we want to be able to use both of those approaches simultaneously. We want to be able to think biblically, in other words. And when we think about the Old Testament, we have to understand what God's purpose in the Old Testament was. And a lot of times, what he teach, what what is taught maybe is an emphasis, especially if you go to a Reformed church, there's a real emphasis on typology. Anyone know what, ty- what types are or what typology is? Can you? Jacob, you know, right? I taught you, so... I'm going to call you out right now. What is typology? Um, things that point that represent all things. Yeah, God. it's God did certain things like the temple to represent to us to teach to teach us to point forward to Jesus because in later on in the Bible Jesus. You know, we, he talks about the church being the temple, uh, Jesus Christ is the temple, and so there's something in the Old Testament that points forward to the New Testament. All the, the sacrifices in the Old Testament, those were to point forward to Christ. And that's absolutely true, that that is, that, that is a lot of the things that God did in the Old Testament pointed forward. But that's not all that happened. We can't think of the Old Testament just like that was somehow just typology. Also, there's real grace. God actually was working in real grace in his people. And so in the Old Testament, there was a pointing forward. And so people in the Old Testament who are before Christ, pointing forward to the person and work of the Messiah in redemption, They were looking for a Messiah. Anyone who had faith in the Old Testament knew that they were the people of God and they were looking forward to the work of Christ, right? And so that, what was the sign of belonging? The sign of belonging was circumcision. And why is it circumcision? Because they were a people. God's people were marked by that sign of the coming seed, right? So circumcision, very apt description pointing forward to the seed of Christ that was that seed of the woman that was going to come and they were looking forward. Now in the New Testament we also understand we are the people of God but now we look back, right? And so what is the sign in the New Testament? We look back in baptism because we are in Christ. In the same way they were in Christ looking forward, we are in Christ looking backward and so we are baptized into his death and into his life, All right? So these, this, these uh, things that were pointing forward to the work of the Messiah in the Old Testament, but also just every bit as real, real grace for God's people working, uh, waiting for that Messiah. And we don't want to discount that either. If you look at what God did, he gave them 10 commandments. Why? Not only for the sake of pointing forward but to Christ, but also as real grace to them, God had just delivered them. He had taken a people. He had redeemed them, literally, right? He had, they were slaves in a country that, weren't, that wasn't theirs. He brought them out by his mighty works. He grabbed a hold of them, and he delivered them out and took them across the Red Sea. He took them into a, a land, and he then, having redeemed them, gave them the Ten Commandments. In the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments were never about how people would justify themselves, right? It was never about how they they would be right with God. God says, I, by my work, I have made you my people. Now, here are the Ten Commandments. Here is how my people live. And the first four are all about worship. So, of course, who we worship and where we worship and in what way we worship. But in the fourth commandment, we get to when we worship. And that's a very important part of the real grace of God to his people. So here are a couple of the main passages that talk about the Sabbath. He commands them, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your sons or your daughters, your male or female servant, or your cattle or sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. And then when there was a repeat of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy, it's very similar except for the, one, the last part of it. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So, what is the same about those two is that we need to remember. This is God's grace to his people because they needed to remember him. If, I'm, if you're like me, I don't remember anything after about a week. Right? I need about a weekly reminder that God is my God. Because what would happen to the people if they didn't Remember? all the curses. And so God gave them a blessing. He gave them a way to remember, to help them to remember because he knew they wouldn't do it on their own. And so they needed this me- reminder week by week of two things, particularly. Two, what are the two things that they are to remember? The, to remember the Sabbath, to remember that he created. God is Lord of all. He's the creator. So we worship a God who has created the whole world. And that's what we remember. But not only that, it was also a reminder that they were a special people that God had delivered out of Egypt. And the basis of the Sabbath is not only that he is creator, but also that he's re-creator. He's the deliverer. He first created us so that we're his people, and then he redeemed us so that we're doubly his people. And that's the reminder that we have and the blessing that we have. Not only that, but that he has made the day holy And this is God's desire. God's desire is not that he has a people out there, right? The whole point of what he was doing in the people in the the time of the Jews was that he would have a people that he would invite into his holiness, that he would have a, a people. Now, they couldn't approach him. Only one could approach into the holy of holies. But yet, he dwelt right with them. He set up a temple with them. There was no one else, nowhere else in the world that was like this. And what he's done in this Sabbath day is to bless the people and call it holy so that they would be invited into him because he's the one who makes it holy. The holy day is not because of us. The holy day is because it is his day and it is set apart and he invites us into it. So it's a blessing. And then not only that, but it is a blessed day, right? We throw that word around a lot, but what does it mean to be blessed? It's happiness. Right? He blessed the day. He made the day happy. And why were they happy? Well, they were happy for a lot of reasons. One of them is that they were free from their daily toil. Right? All the slaves were set free that day. The servants were set free for that day. No, not even people who came into their midst. No one in their family. The entire earth around them, everywhere that was around them was blessed because of that day. Even people who came in who weren't part of the Jews, they were still blessed in that day because they were were called into a rest and a day to remember what God had done. So that's in the work in the Old Testament. Now, what did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to put an end to that, right? No, he did not come to put an end to that. But he did come to tell us that he's greater than the temple. He came to fulfill to all those things that were true that were real blessings, real grace, real really pointing forward, that were really f- pointing forward to him. And he spoke a lot about the Sabbath. I'm just pointing out I have a few here and we don't have time to read through all of them. But these he talked a lot about the Sabbath. This is one of the big sticking points that he had with the Pharisees back and forth. Okay, at that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And his disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on a Sabbath. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he became hungry, he and his companions, how he entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for him to eat nor for those with him, but for the priests alone." Or have you not read in the law that the Sabbath, the priests, uh, the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So did Jesus come to put an end to the Sabbath? Not at all. Jesus came to fulfill the Sabbath. He came to make it greater. But not in the ways that the people thought, not in the ways that they tend, that the Pharisees tended to fall into it, not the ways that we tend to fall into it, to point out the things that, well, you know, God said you should not reap, right? And that's working. And so if you're walking through the field and you're doing this, then that means that you're breaking the law. Because why? They did not know the Scripture. They didn't know the scripture because God's very clear that there are times and particularly these times of special need where God has ordained that we should do things that might seem like they're not right. Why? Because he is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, they might not seem right to us, but that's because we don't have an understanding of what God has done. We don't understand. Here's, here's the, the other um, the same exact thing was done in Mark, or the same pa- this passage talks about the same um, time in Mark. But, he, but Mark also records one other thing Jesus said. He said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Um, that, in this he taught, remember what the purpose of the Sabbath is. The, the ultimate is not the Sabbath, and then you guys happened along. And make sure that you keep the Sabbath because that's what matters to me. But instead he says, no, what I've done is to create the Sabbath for your good. Because you're my people and I've blessed you with this. That's the purpose of the law is a blessing to you. And so if what you do in the Sabbath is to do things to formally on the outside obey the law while hurting men then that is not actually keeping the law because what is the purpose of the Sabbath? The Sabbath is for blessing. And when you look through other passages, um, so this is two passages in Luke uh, and where he's healing. So in this one, he heals a woman and he has on the Sabbath, they're opposing him, but he points out to them, look, I've come to free people. The purpose of the Sabbath is freedom and this poor woman's in bondage and you want to keep her in bondage. I've come to free. And the way that he answers this is, say, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox and his, his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? Look, you, ca- you take care of animals and that doesn't break the law. You, you maintain what is needed right? So the animals need to drink on this day and you do that. So why would you not free this woman? Or in a later time, he heals a man with a withered hand and he again appeals to animals. Um, In this case, he's appealing to animals saying, which one of you, if you had a son or an ox that fell into a well, would not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? So both in need, both just in the general needs, the necessities of ongoing life, and in special emergencies or things where somebody needs help, in both of those things, do you really think that it's more important to uh, keep the Sabbath in the way that you propose whenever the point of the Sabbath is that it is for man? And so he commands those things. And so all of these teach us a number of important things. Um, Number one, that the Sabbath continues. Anyone who says that the Sabbath doesn't continue, you have to look at this and say, why is it that Jesus teaches so much about the Sabbath if it's not to continue? And not only that, but what does he call himself? He calls himself Lord of the Sabbath. And don't you know that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living, the Lord, it, he he says, you know, with, he uses that same analogy with um, Abraham. You know, we know that there's a resurrection because I'm not God of the dead. If I'm God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're alive. And if he's Lord of the Sabbath, it's not because the Sabbath isn't there anymore. It doesn't matter. But the Sabbath has changed in some ways. Looking at the epistles, so now we live in the light of what Christ has done. He taught us, but now living in the light of what he's done. The New Testament also is about real grace. It's also about the real grace, this time of God's people who are in Christ. So this is where it's different because we're not looking forward to a Messiah anymore. But it's also the same because this is also for the real grace of God's people but it's the real grace of God's people who are looking back to our Messiah. And it's no longer typology looking forward to Christ, but it is still in the New Testament, there are many things that we have that are typology pointing forward to the work of Jesus in salvation. You know that in the New Testament, the, the Lord talks about salvation for us, both past, present, and future. Past, we have been saved Right? But it also talks about us now being saved and looking forward to the time of our salvation where we are brought eternally with him, where he saves us ultimately finally from death. And so when we look at the Sabbath today, the New Testament has a couple of places um, in the, uh, where it talks about a Sabbath, but the assumption is that the Sabbath remains. Right As soon as Jesus appears, what happens? he starts appearing to the disciples on Sunday over and over again. If you look at that, the first day of the week, the first day of the week, and then Paul is always appealing to the meeting of the disciples, the first day of the week, the first day of the week, so that by the time we get to John, he is telling his hearers, I was in the spirit, when? On the Lord's day, so they knew what that meant. Do you know what the Lord's day is? It's Sunday, right? They knew what day that was. He didn't didn't just make this up. This was already common knowledge that the Lord's day is a day that's set aside. And so we still continue with a special day because what, the rest of the days don't belong to the Lord? No, all days belong to the Lord. And yet he calls this the Lord's day. There is a particular day that, that has a special place for us. Now that special place for us is not about the particular observances of Old Testament. That's why we don't have to celebrate on Saturday. Saturday Sabbath, That the, the external things can pass away in moving to a new covenant that we have. But the, the, the substance belongs to Christ. right? These, the things that we often argue about are Sabbath days and what we eat and what we don't eat and judging. But those are only shadows. Those were meant at that time. The Old Testament was meant as a shadow of what was to come. So those aren't the things we fight about in the Sabbath. But that doesn't mean it doesn't matter anymore. In fact, what it very much points to is our eternal rest. The other main place where the Sabbath is discussed is in Hebrews chapter 4 where he's teaching us about our Sabbath rest. Where he says, if Joshua had given them rest in the Old Testament, given the Jews rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience, we also have a day of rest ahead of us. And so this day of rest does two things for us, this Sunday day of rest. It reminds us and points forward to the rest, the eternal rest we have in Christ, but it's also real grace for us right now. Real grace, because we are in Christ and we look forward to an eternal rest, but guess what God's done for us? He's given us one day out of seven, to have a special rest in him. So what does that rest look like in, in looking at this? Now, this is a, a matter of conscience. So when we get to practical things about this, this is a matter of conscience where we have to figure out what is it that we should do. And um, sorry, we're just so late. We got started so late. I don't have enough time to go through everything. But what I want to encourage you with is this. Um, this, this is not something that I'm going to sit here and tell you, yes, you can do the dishes, and no, you can't do the, this thing, and yes, you can do that. This is a matter of conscience that it has biblical guidelines. But what that means is that, husbands, I especially want to exhort you that if your wife is asking questions like this, you need to be able to address that because within your home, this is a matter of conscience about what it means to keep the Sabbath and you need to establish in your home what is right and wrong. Otherwise, your wife is going to con- constantly be guilty about doing things. And that's not the way to live, right? That's not the way to live. So you need to take leadership in your home, husbands, and, and figure out and think through these things biblically. Here are the questions that you need to be asking. Should I do dishes on Sunday? Well, does it keep the Sabbath holy? If we have the blessing of being able to live in Christ today and be set apart for him in a special way, is what I'm doing today, is doing the dishes, making this holy? Am I set apart to the Lord? Does it allow me to be diligent to enter into God's rest? Because every single Sabbath day is given to us as real grace, but also as practice. Because what we're doing every Sabbath day is remembering that we hate the world, we're setting apart the world, and we are entering into God's rest. And that's the whole work of the Christian, is to constantly be dying to the world and entering into God's rest. And he's blessed us by giving us one day out of seven to keep practicing this in a special way. We need to keep being diligent to enter into his rest and then the things that Jesus has taught. Is it necessary? Is this thing necessary for us? Because if it's necessary, then we have freedom to do it. And is it merciful? Is it merciful? We have freedom to do that. But not only that, not only do we have freedom to do what is necessary and what is merciful, but it's part of the commandment. Part of the commandment to, be, to keep the Sabbath is to do what is necessary, to set apart to keep it holy, to set apart common profane things, to be pushing forward into following after Christ, to take care of those that we're called to take care of, who need things, and to be merciful. So let's approach that then with the dishes. What do you think? Should you do the dishes? Yeah, maybe it requires some more particular thought. Let's say, you know, you're going into... uh, um small group you know i was in a small group at one point where basically what happened was after we were done we all got up we all cleaned we all got everything ready we made sure everything was good before we left was that breaking the sabbath it was it was merciful yeah it was mercy right i mean it's it's still is it is, was that making the day unholy was that somehow setting it aside as something that doesn't belong to god no it was fellowship. We were in fellowship with one another, doing what was merciful in helping someone else. Now, what about your motives? The problem with approaching things biblically is you actually have to look at your motives, right? You have to look at your heart. If you're doing the dishes because you say, oh man, I gotta do these dishes now because it's just gonna build up and then tomorrow I'm gonna have more, and it's all about worry and trying to get things done and saying, if I, if I don't do things now on this day, then I won't have enough time on all my other days. What's the problem there? Yeah, you're making it unholy, right? Because if God has given us a day then he's given us enough strength to do everything we need to do in six. If we feel like we can't do everything God has given us to do in six days and we need to steal what God has made holy in order to accomplish our own stuff, then we're stealing time from God. Now, how do we approach, how do we, what are some practical things? I did want to leave enough time for bringing out some questions. What, what kind of questions do you have or what kind of particulars do you think about or the things you struggle with? Yeah, Aaron. Um, going out to eat, other out to eat. Okay, yeah, that's a great one. So going out to eat, what do you think? Looking at these things. It's causing someone else to work on Sunday, right? That is, that I think to me, in my conscience, that is the main thing that keeps me from going out. We, uh, you know, I really do not we don't go out to eat on Sunday. We don't go out to stores for profane things on Sunday because what that does is, frankly, what it does is enslave the lower class. That's what it does, right? I mean, if you who works on Sunday? Minimum wage workers. They're the ones who work on Sunday. It's the people who are uneducated and poor and you make them your slave. Now, does that mean I don't ever, this, just this past Sunday, I went to a gas station why did I do that? Well, I mean, in my so I my brother uh, flew into Pennsylvania uh, from San Francisco, so I never see him. So I went out there. The only time I could see him was over the weekend, and the only way I could do that was to drive home on Sunday. And so I had to go to a gas station because it's eight hours away. Or I could have waited until midnight and then driven through the night to get back here. So, you know, in, in my mind, you know, it's a work of necessity, right? I, I just, I can't do that um, to undo strain, undo, you know. It's, we can always get more scrupulous, right? Because what could the Pharisees, well, you know, yeah, sure, your disciples are hungry, but did they need to eat? I mean, they could have waited to the next day. They were going to die of starvation, right? We could always be more scrupulous, and that's our tendency. But the reality is what? They were hungry. They had a bodily need. They were hungry. And Jesus said, that's what the Sabbath's for, to care for the needs. So um, that's something. But again, that's a matter of conscience in dealing with that and often dealing with that on a day-by-day basis. Yeah, Michael. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And so there is, okay, so the question was, or the comment was basically, you know, there, there is a day of preparation. The day before Saturday is a day of preparation. So is there ever really anything that we need to do on Sunday? Because I, if I just could have been a better planner, if I just could have worked harder, if I just could have done something else, I could have gotten it all done on Saturday. Um, I I tend, uh, that is absolutely, on the one hand, that is absolutely true. One of the things that throughout the ages, all people have, all faithful Christians have known is that the day before is a day that you want to use for preparation. If what you're doing is using Saturday for your own um, enjoyment and never, and not doing anything and then then saying, well, I'll just put that off so that I could do my work later. I don't think that that, I don't have a good conscience about that. But on the other hand, to live in constant guilt, um, how many women have ever felt that way? I think if you're honest, like every single woman holds up their hand, right? And it's because what? Every single one of you is lazy and a bad planner. <laughs> All right? All right. Yes, I mean, that's how you feel all the time, but there, there reaches a point where you have to say, look, I mean, evidently there's there, it, you just cannot perfectly plan and get everything ready every single time. It just is beyond the human ability to do that. Right, So, again, being over-scrupulous where you think, okay, yeah, I could potentially do every single thing so that I, couldn't, I don't have to do anything on Sunday. It's, it's a matter of uh, living in a way that you have a good conscience before God because you're entering into a holy day. I have set apart this day, I've prepared, and now the things that I need to do, I'm doing these things as a blessing to the, my small group. I'm doing these things in fellowship with others. I'm doing these things out of mercy because this is a day to care for the stranger and the person who might be coming to my small group. We've often run out to the store on Sunday because we have unexpected guests coming. I don't have a problem with that because that's an act of mercy, right? You're really trying to do something for someone and it, it wasn't because we didn't plan, right? Again, you can always say, well, I could have planned. I should always have something extra in the crock pot and then if I had that, then I would never have to do anything on Sunday. But you just can't live that way, right? That, that is beyond the way that anyone can live. There are times that come up that you have to go out and think, hey, it's time to slaughter the fattened calf. D- don't actually do that. Just go to the grocery store. It's a lot easier, all right? <laughs> right. Yes. Sorry, what? Yes, commanding your kids to do things. Uh, guilty. On Sunday, yes. Uh, commanding your kids to do things like unload the dishwasher because you need those dishes, right? That, that is something that I, I don't, you shouldn't have standards, the point, you shouldn't have standards for yourself that you don't have for your kids. You know, if, if you wouldn't unload the dishwasher on this day because it's not right, then you shouldn't have your kids do it, right? That's the point of uh, the fourth commandment that, that you can't just, well, okay, I'll just farm this out to some servant who's going to come in and do it because I can't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the police will have to be out to help yeah. the drivers. Everything we do, uh, I mean, a lot of things we do are not in isolation, mm-hmm. but do affect other people and cause them to have to work. Yeah, that's right. There's There are some things that very directly cause people to work, but there are many things that indirectly cause people to work. Does Adam have any problem working on Sunday? You know, that's the conscience that he has to deal with. But, you know, as a doctor, it that is... A work of mercy. There are many people who need taken care of that day. You don't say, "Well, I'm sorry you're sick, but it's Sunday. You know, get, hang in there. I'll, we'll be, we'll, I'll be here tomorrow." Other, yes. Yeah, that's a great one. So yeah, saying, oh boy, I have all these things that I have to do and all this, this stuff. Now where's my rest? I deserve it." But that again is where, where you, you could fall into that trap of thinking that Sunday is about not doing stuff and about getting my rest. But that's really not what it is. What is, this is the last thing because we have to end, but what is Sabbath for? The Sabbath is to be kept holy to enter into God's rest. Right? So when we, when we do things that are blessings for others, that is doing. When you change your baby's diaper, that is good. It's not, only, it's not like somehow, well, that's a loophole in the fourth commandment. Right? That's not the point. The point is that's a good thing. That's keeping the commandment. If I'm resting on that day, that's breaking the commandment. Okay? That's how you have to think about how you deal with things of necessity. All right, I lied. Amanda, go ahead. Yes, yeah. So God God has not taken a break for the last 2 6000 years. God is still at work in the world, even though he rested from creation. All right, we've got to go. Sorry about that. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you would help us as we uh, strive to enter into your rest, to, to have um, your wisdom and to have clean consciences and clean hands before you as we do the things that we do and as we, uh, as we come together and worship. Um, we pray, Lord, that you would help us this day to honor you as you deserve to be honored. And we thank you so much for giving us a Sabbath. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.